Welcome to the Abundant Soul Aligned Business Podcast, a show all about helping entrepreneurs to navigate building a profitable business as a spiritual woman without sacrificing time, money, or freedom. I'm your host, Sarah Bird, and I've built my own brand from the ground up. If you're ready to create your abundant spiritual business, but have no clue where to start, you're in the right place. I'm here to give you all the guidance and insights into what it takes to launch, scale, and succeed in business from the inside out. We cover the deep inner work of owning a business and the logistics and strategies of setting yourself up for mega success. So let's dive right in. Today we're talking all about parts work. So if you've never heard of this, this is a super cool psychological technique. And I'm going to talk about how it can help you rediscover who you truly are and show up fully and authentically in your business. So this month, as we're leading up to Halloween, I have been thinking a lot about dressing in costumes, putting on masks, playing with different identities that we can take on, which led me to thinking about the different parts of ourselves. So this month we started with an episode on dropping those masks that we wear in society and learning to be authentic. Then we had our debut special guest, Elena Klimo, who came on to talk all about the ancient Chinese art of face reading and how you can embrace your natural look without trying to change it or hiding behind costumes or makeup like we do on Halloween to play a part, but also like we do in our daily life. Um, And it can be used to learn more about yourself. Next week, we'll be talking all about the shadows. So this is our special Halloween episode. I always take a spiritual or metaphysical approach to holidays. So we'll be playing with the meaning underneath this spooky holiday and looking at the shadow. But this week, we're talking all about the versions of ourself, this part, these different parts of ourselves, and how even if you dress up for a night as someone else on Halloween, when you have these different parts of yourself, you can actually fully integrate your different selves to discover the most authentic you. So let me go over a brief little introduction to parts work and kind of the relevance it has to you as a spiritual entrepreneur. So like I said, parts work is this therapeutic concept that really has its roots in gestalt therapy from the 70s and IFS, which stands for internal family systems, which was a psychotherapeutic model that came about in the 90s. So the basic idea is that our personality is not one static thing, but comprised of various different identities within us. Your inner child, the voice from your mom or your dad and their beliefs about you in the world, your higher self, the very best version of you, calling you up to a new level of empowerment, et cetera. All these different parts of us going on in the background. And the idea is that sometimes these different parts have conflicting needs or agendas. And when they're in gridlock with one another, it can prevent you from emotional healing or reaching your potential. So if you want a thriving life that's in alignment with your deepest desires and to show up in real leadership and service in your business, it's helpful to be able to reconcile the different demands of your inner parts. 
So let's take a look at the different parts, who they are, um, how they impact you, how you can work with them, and what it looks like when you do integrate them. So the first kind of group of parts within you is yourself at different ages in your past. So you've probably all heard of the inner child. So you have this inner child self, but that comes along with an adolescent self and also your current adult self and maybe different versions of you at different ages throughout your life. So maybe your inner child feels alone and abandoned, but your inner adolescent feels rebellious and wants to be independent. And then your current adult self wonders why you're both afraid of intimacy and you push people away, but also that you feel deeply lonely. It's because you've got both of these versions of you, your inner child, your inner adolescent with conflicting needs. So to work with these different ages, the, the, to work with yourself at different ages, these younger parts of you, it's helpful to do some reparenting with your inner child so that they don't feel abandoned. The key here, and maybe it's not abandonment, maybe you have a different issue. I'm just using that as an example. But the key here is that sometimes your younger self doesn't know that you currently are an adult. They don't know that that you're an adult now. So I did this really cool exercise this summer where I got in contact with my younger self, all in a therapeutic context with a, with a counselor. I got in contact with my younger self and I asked her how old she thought we were now. And the part I was speaking to was about four or five. And she thought I might be about nine or 10 years old now. So as you can see, the inner child in me knew that I was older, um, but didn't fully trust that I had the skills of a full adult. She thought I might just be a big kid. So you can bring your inner child, your, this little one within you up to speed. So the way I did this, like let her know that, no, actually I'm an adult and I have, you know, 30 something years of experience under my belt since I was her age. So I did this cool visualization in order to bring her up to speed where I sat her down to watch a movie all cozy and snuggled up on a couch like a little kid would like with some popcorn and a blankie we snuggled together. And then we watched a movie of my life up until now. So she watched everything that had happened. She learned, she caught up, she went through all the milestones of my life. And now she understood that where I am now is a full adult and not just a big kid. Then you can also do something similar with your adolescent self. You can bring her online and what she really needs is independence. Again, this is just an example. Maybe your adolescent self needs something else. Um, but you also can reparent her too. And basically for something like independence, somebody who's, who's wanting independence as an adolescent, which is a developmentally, emo uh, emotionally and developmentally healthy stage to be at for that age. But when you're an adult and that developmental stage of an adolescent is running the show, that's not necessarily healthy. So what you might say to her is, hey, look at all these leadership opportunities we have now. We have this whole business. We get to run it completely on our own. You can reassure her that nobody's trying to make her do anything she doesn't want to do. Nobody's trying to, you know, force her to sit in school all day, whatever it is. 
you can let her know how much autonomy and choice you have in your life now. You can bring her up to speed and say, the need that you have, in my example is independence, is being totally fulfilled in our adult life now. So you can, you know, reassure her that she has autonomy and choice. She can feel more free when you do so. So when you work with these parts within you, now this is just the the parts of you that are younger, and you address their specific needs, then they get on board with your current goals and desires. You can tell them, hey, you just get to be a kid. You, I can take care of all the adult stuff. You just get to hang out, you know, free up your energy, focus on being a kid or being an adolescent. And when you do that and they realize that your adult version of yourself is actually running the show, it really clears up. One, it helps them trust you um, to take care of all the responsibilities that you have, but it also clears up so much inner turmoil that you might have because your inner child might have totally conflicting needs with your inner adolescent. And so all of that inner conflict is resolved and it frees up all this energy for you to focus on your goals and your purpose. So that is one set of parts within people is a the different different versions of themselves at previous ages. And you can take any stage of life too. Um, if you're fresh out of adolescence, you can just focus on childhood and navigate you know your young adulthood. If you're older, then you might look at different stages of your life where you know you were in young adulthood or you were in your 30s you were in your 40s right we all have different phases that we go through so you can apply this to any of those another set of parts that are operating within you are the parts that are considered your family members so this is where this is really rooted in internal family systems Basically, the idea of this is that some parts within us come from our family of origin and the role we had in our family system or the voices from our family members. So, for example, maybe you hear your mom's voice talking bad about her thighs when you look in the mirror and then you've adopted those beliefs about your thighs. Or maybe your dad's voice pipes up and says, you know, money doesn't grow on trees when you're thinking about your business and you're doing your budgeting. Maybe you hear your second grade teacher telling you to shush because you're not a good singer every time you want to belt out a song in the car. All these beliefs that our closest family members held heavily inform the beliefs that are running on repeat in our own minds. Even if those beliefs are not in alignment with what you truly believe, or even if they're not in alignment with your core values or what you want to believe, they are playing on repeat in the background like a, like a playlist on repeat. It just runs over and over. And because we heard these at such a young age when our personalities and our set of beliefs were still forming, we didn't have discernment about weeding out like, oh, well, so-and-so said this, but I don't really believe that. When you're a child, you just absorb it like a sponge. And so they've been playing on repeat probably since you were pretty young. So for years and years and years on end, and you may not even be aware of it. So when you look at what might be helpful in working with these, with these parts, 
Um, it's going to be different than working with the parts of yourself that are younger. And the reason for that is because it's less about interacting with these voices like you would with your like have a dialogue with your inner child or a dialogue with your inner adolescent. And the reason for that is because these voices literally are like tapes just plain. They're like ghosts or recordings of the past. So what they're saying, it's not like an actual personality within you. It's just memories of like old messages. And what they're saying may not even be in alignment with what your parents believe about their thighs or money if you were to ask them now, right? They just have your parents or your teacher, whomever was influential in your early childhood, childhood, they have their own unconscious beliefs that are also running on autopilot. And that's probably what they repeated and you picked up on. So it's not like this is, you know, oh, this is exactly what my parents think or this, you know, if I ran into my second grade teacher in my hometown, she'd tell me, hey, are you still a terrible singer, right? It's probably not still in alignment with, with what they believe if you were to ask them, but it's also not helpful to like interact with these voices because they're not actually personalities. They're not actually uh, personas. They're just repeated messages. So instead of engaging with these voices um, or these like beliefs and messages directly, um, what you can do is sit down. This is something that I've done personally. Um, you can sit down and write out what you do actually believe. So since the messages that you hold are just things that you adopted, um, it's not really like something that you can dialogue with. So here's the journaling exercise that I did. I went through all the different areas of my life, my health, self-worth, uh, money, school, being a business owner, uh, beliefs about my brand, friendships, romantic relationships, and men, etc. Like every different area of your life that you can think of. And then what I did is I wrote out the beliefs that I have for those things. Now, this is no filter, not really evaluating, just the first thing that pops into my mind. What are the beliefs that I'm carrying around? And some of these were not pretty. So just to be clear, it's not like, oh, yeah, I agree with this. Like even I did this exercise a handful of years ago where I like wrote out what I thought about like homeless people or poor people or rich people or what it means to be American or European, like whatever, any different category in your life. And sometimes what the beliefs that I was carrying around were actually so out of integrity with what I really believed that it was like hard to even admit that that's what I thought. Then what you do, so now you have all of your current beliefs written out so you can see them in front and then you actually can evaluate like, is this true for me or is it not? And then from there, you can write out what you really believe or even what you want to believe if it's hard for you to think, oh, yeah, I can carry that around all the time now and immediately shift into that. At least it's like, well, this is what I truly believe about this and what I aspire to having playing on repeat in my mind. So, for example, a couple examples here. If you've always heard the message that men are shallow and only want sex, when you write that out, it's like, well, that's not what I truly believe or even what I want to continue repeating about men. 
What I want is to respect men, hold them in high esteem, know that the men I choose to be around are caring and loving, they're deep, they are self-reflective and self-aware, and they want to serve others. Same thing for another example. If a part of me has regretted taking out student loans for my degrees, a lot of us, especially here in the States, have huge student loans. Um, so I took out my degrees in psychology and Buddhism. Sorry, took out student loans for my degrees in psychology and Buddhism. Now, a part of me can think, oh, gosh, what a waste of money that could have been spent elsewhere. But now that I see that belief written out, I can actually write out what I truly feel and believe, which is how deeply grateful I am for my education, how it has shaped me as a person, how it has provided me the mindfulness skills that are invaluable to my life and have honestly allowed me to create a career that's in alignment with my divine purpose. So when you get clear about the beliefs that you're carrying, whether you agree with them or not, and your actual beliefs, it's easy to start hearing those old beliefs and messages that aren't even yours. Like you notice some more going, oh, wow, I can't believe that thought just ran through my head. I, I don't actually believe that anymore. So when you notice those and then choose to repeat your actual beliefs instead, then your life naturally comes into greater alignment and integrity with your desires. So when you hold the new beliefs about men, instead of having shallow men who just, you know, want come around and want to bang you, they will fall away and the men of integrity will begin to show up and come to the forefront because you are an energetic match for that you have the mindset that's oriented towards creating that. Likewise, same with the student loans. Instead of feeling stressed and down every time you make a student loan payment, which honestly only blocks that money flow, you instead feel grateful for your education when you make that payment. You remember all of the wonderful things and how much you love having those things. And that actually increases the money flow in your life. So it can be incredibly powerful to investigate, you know, often you'll hear if somebody says something and they're in a coaching or counseling environment, um, someone will say, whose voice is that? Whose voice is that? Like, where did you originally hear that? Where are you getting this from? And that's exactly what this section of parts is all about. So the first part is about, uh, or first set of parts is you at different ages. And then the second set of parts is different family members or influential figures in your childhood, just these random beliefs that you picked up along the way. Okay, now the third major category of different parts that you have within yourself, and this actually comes from internal family systems. So these are more designated, I should say. And these are, the three things are exiles, firefighters, and managers. Okay, so these are just the titles for the different names. So let's go into each one of these and see how it works in your life. So for exiles, this is the first category. These are the younger, more vulnerable parts of yourself that carry the burden of shame. They are banished. They're rejected as the parts of ourselves that we don't like. This ends up creating the shadow, which is what we're talking about in next week's episode. So tune in for Halloween. 
but in general, these versions of yourself, the exiles or the parts of you that you reject, kick them out of your awareness and they carry the emotions of shame, fear, rejection, and loneliness. So all of these really painful emotions, painful things that we'd like to avoid, they carry them themselves. Then we have the firefighters. Now, these are the reactive parts of you that actually are working to relieve the pain or extinguish the pain is how you can remember that they're firefighters. So these are the parts of you that are like reacting to the exiles, the parts, the firefighter is the part of you that distracts you from what's present if it's uncomfortable. They numb out any pain. They they're the part that won't take responsibility for the aspects of yourself that you don't like. So they end up projecting it onto others. Have you ever been in a situation where you've met somebody and you they rub you the wrong way and then ultimately you realize you don't like them because they remind you of the parts of you that you dislike? <laughs> it's like classic projection. So the firefighters are looking to alleviate the pain and like relieve that pain by numbing, by projecting it onto others, or even trying to soothe the pain, uh, like, you know, water on a fire. But oftentimes the firefighters have limited skills and they end up trying to soothe or relieve the pain with destructive behaviors. So the kind of classic trope of this is right after a breakup, breakup eating a tub of ice cream that character is the firefighter that response that impulse to soothe the the emotional pain of a breakup with ice cream you know the positive feeling of eating something tasty that's a classic firefighter behavior somebody trying to alleviate the pain the last category are the managers now these are the parts that are really productive and they actually work to prevent any other pain from coming about so these are the parts that have an impulse to people please, to be perfect, to perform and play the role that's expected of you in society or your family. Everything that they do is about trying to prevent any feelings of rejection, of failure, of shame. That way you don't get rejected and get banished like the exiles. Now, managers and firefighters are trying to protect you from joining the exiles in the shadow of rejection. But all three of the parts operating in you are predicated on you rejecting yourself, of you not being worthy of love uh, or not being capable of being present with any pain that arises. So. The best way to work with these, honestly, I have found is through mindfulness, obviously some like worthiness, feeling worthy, feeling accepted. And the best strategy that I have found for this is through mindfulness techniques. So in meditation, which comes in many forms, it doesn't have to be sitting on a cushion and doing formal meditation, although it can be. Um, but in meditation, what you're training yourself to do is to stay present with what is with what is happening in this exact moment. And by engaging in meditation, you end up holding your seat of wisdom in the midst of whatever is happening. Even in the midst of great suffering and pain, which is what you're most afraid of in these three um, parts, even in the midst of that suffering and pain, if you come 
back to being present and you do that repeatedly and hold your seat, it ends up widening your window of tolerance. And that allows you to move through the pain without slipping into one of these three parts, self-rejection, performing and people-pleasing, or distracting the exiles, the managers, and the firefighters. So the magic of staying present is that you can move through the suffering and return to your authentic self, even if you, you know, these waves are crashing into you you still get to maintain your posture. So we know research has shown that emotions only last in the body for 90 seconds. And then after that, it's our minds recreating the the emotions over and over again to try and work through them. But if we never do, we just keep recreating the emotions, the pain, the suffering over and over, sometimes for years on end, all in an effort to try and reconcile or resolve these painful emotions. So staying present allows you to move through these challenges, through these difficulties, from a place of being in alignment with your core values, your true beliefs, your true desires, and not get hijacked by one of your parts, the exile, the manager, or the firefighter. So hopefully this is helpful for you to understand this is just the first part of like, what are the parts? What's going on within me? Who's at work here? So we've got your younger self at different ages in your life, these voices from other people that you're not even aware of. I like to think of them as the tapes playing on repeat. And then you've got these three characters, the exile, the exiled, the firefighters, and the managers. And all three of those different categories of different parts are, you know, taking over and running the show, and you may not even be aware of it. So what does it look like to have your different parts running the show while you're trying to operate your business? Let's go through some business owner examples based on real women entrepreneurs that I know. And I'm gonna go through each one of these examples and talk about what happens when the parts are driving the ship and taking over your leadership skills. What do those parts really need underneath it all? how they can be integrated, and then how different the business and leadership style looks when you're integrated, when you're able to integrate these parts. So I've got some case examples. I'm going to go through, I think it's four different people. And these are based on real real women that I know in my life, but I have changed names for anonymity. Um, So the first one is Brandy. Okay, now Brandy, her whole thing is she's not able to set boundaries and she's so desperate to please others. So here's what it looks like with her parts unintegrated. Brandy runs a business, but is deeply seeking acceptance. So she has a really hard time setting boundaries with clients, with other coaches and with herself. She is desperate to please her clients and believes that when they pay her, they own her in a way. So she's super scared to tell clients no or hold them accountable to being on time, being on time in sessions, being on time with payments, uh, following through with their work and getting the results that she knows they could have if they did what they said they were going to do. And so because of this, when a client makes a request like to reschedule last minute or they're late on payments or they want her to do more work for them beyond what they agreed to in their contract, 
when clients make a request, she has huge panic about it. And this panic energy can last for days or for weeks. And what ends up happening is a tremendous amount of energy, just a huge part of her life force and energy is spent on trying to navigate these situations because she's abandoning herself when she agrees to do these things that she doesn't actually want to do. She feels like she's taken advantage of and then feels huge guilt for wanting to even set a boundary because remember, they paid her. She feels like she can never stand up for herself. She invites in all kinds of manipulative and exploitative people in her life as friends, as clients, and she is under constant stress. And then she wonders why her business only thrives with clients that she can't even stand. So overall, not a great situation. Okay, so let's unpack this. What parts are at play here? So first off, her inner child is desperate to be accepted because she feels abandoned. She also has these exiled parts of herself that are rejected and abandoned when by herself, she herself is rejecting, rejecting and abandoning those parts um, when she wants to set a boundary but doesn't. Okay, so she's got her inner child that's desperate to be accepted. She's got the exiled parts that feel rejected and abandoned when she doesn't set boundaries. And then the protective manager part comes online and tells her, oh my God, you have to people please. Just give them what they want because her parents' voice, this other part of herself, is telling her that if someone pays her, she owes them. But then the firefighter is all of a sudden at full red arm alert, red alarm alert. The fire alarms are going off in every single situation. She feels incredible anxiety about setting boundaries, about not setting boundaries. She feels like she owes people from her parents' voice telling her that. Then the manager tells her, yeah, just people please so we can appease them because we don't want to lose the money. But then she feels like parts of herself are getting exiled and rejected because she feels guilty about wanting to set a boundary. All the meanwhile, her inner child never feels accepted and always feels abandoned. So like I said, all these different parts are at play and it is a huge mess. No wonder she's got a lot of stress and anxiety. <laughs> look at everything going on behind the scenes. Okay, so let's take a look at each one and ask which part, what do they need? So the inner child needs to be embraced, to be listened to, to have someone to acknowledge them and stay present with them. They need to be feel, they need to feel parented by an adult, by adult Brandy. She can provide that for her inner child. The voices from her parents need to be investigated for their beliefs, and she needs to clarify her true beliefs about being paid. Do her clients own her? Does she owe them whatever they want? Do they hold power over her because they paid her? She really needs some healing around her money story here. Then when she isn't overwhelmed in shame, overwhelmed with shame and loneliness, then the people-pleasing manager wouldn't tell her to do whatever, else, whatever anyone else wants, even if it's at her own expense. The people-pleasing manager wouldn't have that impetus to tell her to do that. And then the protective firefighter wouldn't be in full-on panic emergency mode. 
So as you can see, once you figure out what parts are at play, you can just identify what they need and work on that one at a time. Give each one attention because they might all have different conflicting needs. So what does it look like when Brandy is fully integrated, when she's addressed all of her parts? Now she is able to comfort herself. She trusts herself. She's able to listen to herself, to make decisions based on what's best for her and what's in alignment with her business core values. She can set boundaries with clients and have clear expectations from the beginning, hold people accountable to those. And then so much of her energy is freed up to actually serve and enjoy serving her clients and her business. So it gets to be a wildly different experience when your needs are met, when all of the different parts of you are not working against each other, but are working with each other towards the same goal. Everybody's needs are met. Everybody's happy. And you can just operate in alignment with your own values. This one is Samantha. Her whole thing is that she's not wanting to show up out of fear of ridicule. So this is what it looks like when Samantha is unintegrated with all her different parts. Now, Samantha has a ton of wisdom. She is spiritually deep and insightful, and she is smart as a whip. So she could easily have a huge international business, which deep down she really wants, except that she holds herself back. She's afraid of fully showing up and hides behind perfectionism. Now, Samantha is 10 times smarter and more wise and experienced than a majority of the people in her industry, but she lacks self-confidence and has these messages on repeat that say, who do you think you are? What do you know? Who would buy from you? Everyone already knows everything you're teaching, so why bother making offers? Besides, if it's not perfect, everyone will know you're a fraud. So with these messages going on in the back of her mind all the time, she half-heartedly shows up. And despite working herself to the bone to get everything perfect, nothing ever comes to fruition. Because when it's not perfect, she doesn't ever put anything out there. So she just has a ton of ideas for incredible programs and offers that she sits on. In fact, she even sees other people making a ton of money and influencing thousands offering similar content, but it's not even half as good or as deep as Samantha would take it. She knows what she can offer is better than what other people who are succeeding are putting out there. But all the programs she wants to offer and topics that she wants to share on are all in these like half finished documents or incomplete training video outlines that never got recorded. So Samantha cycles through having these big ideas, but the process of actually creating it feels so daunting. And then she needs it to look super high quality because of that perfectionism, or she's afraid people will think she's a fraud. So she starts the projects, but then she stops halfway through, never finishes anything, barely brings in any clients, and then feels like a failure. And she wonders if she should just give up on her business and go back to working a nine to five the rest of her life. So really dismal here. Another situation where the parts are running the show. So, and it's preventing her from seeing the success she wants that she she clearly could have pretty easily. So let's dig into the different parts. What is going on? Who is, who's here? What's at play? 
Samantha's inner child has a deep-seated belief that she's not worthy. She felt really rejected by her family as a child and grew up believing that she was unwanted and a burden. So even her adolescent self is stuck in a cycle of hopeless thinking, like, why bother trying anything? I'll never be good enough, so no need to even try. Then she's got the manager self, remember this is the, the protector, that tries to cope with these feelings of rejection with perfectionism. The manager strives to perform and to please others, but the perfectionism keeps her stuck in the cycle of feeling like a failure because she'll never be enough. So she has exiled herself and then just lives in this world of feeling shame uh, and fear of ridicule. So a lot going on here with these parts. What do the parts need? Let's take each one. So Samantha's inner child needs to feel a sense of belonging. Like she's welcome, she's cared about, she matters. Her adolescent self needs a confidence boost by being shown all of adult Samantha's accomplishments. I mean, my God, she's incredibly talented. And then the adolescent teenage Samantha can be given some tasks or projects or responsibilities that she knows she can succeed in. Simple things like, you know, being in charge of getting all the house chores done for the week or writing a few journal entries as her adolescent self. These small wins will solidify her sense of achievement and her contribution to Samantha as a whole. I'm talking about the adolescent self here who needs that boost of confidence. And then the manager part has this pressure of perfectionism and they need to cultivate a sense of inherent worthiness. Like she doesn't need to earn or prove her worth. So she can do some work around that. Now, what does it look like when Samantha is integrated? Okay, so when Samantha relaxes into her inherent worth and feels a sense of belonging, she's more confident in showing up and sharing from her heart. She's more focused on getting her message out there than she is worrying about being ridiculed or being a burden. And then she starts creating some really simple and basic programs to offer and prioritizes connecting with and serving with clients to help them know themselves better. Everyone she works with is blown away at her wisdom, her insights, her knowledge and experience. They all feel lucky to have the chance to work with her. It's not about the bells and whistles or how neatly packaged everything is. It's more about what she's creating, who she naturally is and how she can serve. So the more she creates, as simple as it is, the more she gets positive feedback and sees her clients having results, the more confident she feels. So she trusts that her voice matters and then she shares more and then her business begins to thrive. So a huge shift from all of these parts that don't have their needs met running the show. Okay, let's move on to the next case study. This one is Andrea. Okay, so Andrea, her main issue is that she's more focused on herself than on serving. Now, this one's gonna seem really harsh and really extreme, and it might be exaggerated a little bit so that I can prove a point, but I promise you there's a ton of coaches out there who operate this way like Andrea. So buckle up, because Andrea's kind of a mess. <laughs> okay. 
Andrea loves the idea of being an influencer and a celebrity. She's built a brand that is totally focused on her and is very beautiful. And she has some loyal followers that all make her look good because she can claim that she helped them get their results. She loves high end and luxury and only wants to go to the most posh and exclusive places in town with all the best jewelry, high end bags, whatever. The problem is that she's kind of a mean girl, like a you can't sit with us bully. And she especially takes this out on her clients. It's like a power dynamic. She believes that she has power over her clients, that her clients have to pay to be in her orbit. And in fact, they should feel lucky that she doesn't charge them more for access to her. While she thinks she's being generous because she could totally charge them for every cent they have, she pressures her clients to buy more and more packages. But she honestly underneath wants to keep them playing small so that she can manipulate manipulate them into needing her. She wants them to feel like they need her in order for them to be successful. So her entire business is based on this somewhat like narcissistic need to be adored and admired, the best person in the room to have a fan base of loyal followers. But if you ever cross her or don't upgrade to her next package, it just shows that you don't believe you're worthy enough to sit with her. So she shames you, she gaslights you, she blames you for your lack of success, saying that you don't want it bad enough or you don't have enough courage or what it takes to take that risk and invest. Okay, so Andrea kind of sucks, but like I said, there's a lot of people out there who act like this, especially in the coaching industry. So let's take a look at what parts are at play in Andrea here. Andrea has a huge emphasis on her adolescent self. Her adolescent self takes over a lot of her operating. And this version of herself prioritizes social status and honestly lacks empathy for others. Again, this is a developmentally appropriate set of traits for this age. But Andrea isn't an adolescent. She's a grown adult. (laughs) She's using her adolescent lack of empathy for others and hyperfixation on social status to like exploit and abuse others. So it's definitely not okay. She also has her parents' voice within her telling her, you know, it's a doggy dog world. It's competitive. You have to get to the top in order to win, no matter who you crush along the way. It's not a win-win voice going on in her head. It's a competitive voice. Maybe her parents weren't psycho or sociopaths saying those things out loud, but maybe, you know, at one point dad was up for a promotion, somebody else got it, and then she picked up on these subtle cues that, oh, it's competitive and I'm not safe unless I'm crushing someone else. So kind of these uh, unhealthy power dynamics came about. She also has a manager that's operating within her, and this one is performing as the part of the leader. However, they lack any genuine leadership qualities. So the manager is like, oh, no, I'm the leader. I'm here in charge of everybody, but they don't actually have leadership skills. And then the firefighter is kind of panicking, like fearing that they're not good enough. They have to they have to climb to the top and win. 
And they're using the only tactic that they know, again, have the firefighter has a limited set of skills. And what the tactic they know is to bully and manipulate others so she doesn't feel like a loser, right? Putting other people down to make her feel better. So in her business, instead of serving her clients, she ends up abusing and manipulating her clients for her own benefit. Her status is her number one priority, not serving her clients. So let's take a look at each self and ask, what do they need? The adolescent self needs some maturity. They need a process of coming of age, coming into adulthood, having that rite of passage experience. They also need to learn some empathy and some lessons about choices and consequences. But most of all, the adolescent needs self-acceptance to know that they're loved just as they are and they don't have to prove their worth or earn it through social status. They inherently are worthy and loved just as they are. She also has these voices in her head that gave her this message that power comes from taking it from others. She needs to investigate those messages and learn to find her power that comes from within. And she can mostly do this by offering compassion to herself. So just like really investigating those tapes on repeat and shifting the belief about power, having like a totally new paradigm about it. She also wants to look probably into the motivations for like why she started a business in the first place. What is driving her need for the celebrity status? And does her business align with her true desires? Does she really want to serve women? Does she really want to be a coach? Or did she create this business to fulfill that need? Like it seemed like the easiest way to become a celebrity figure. Uh, so really investigate. And for the purposes of this exercise, this like vignette of Andrea, we'll go with the assumption that she really does genuinely want to serve. But that would be a question I would ask somebody. So she also has the firefighter and the manager. And honestly, they both just need better skills for handling fear that isn't based in lashing out at others or feeling like her manager needs to feel safe, that she's allowed to be herself without having to prove her worth through social status, through taking power from others or power over others. So lots of healing to do here with these different parts, but what would it look like when Andrea is integrated, when all of her different parts finally come together and she has some major healing in these areas? When she listens to herself, and knows that she's inherently worthy without having to prove it, she starts to connect with women and her clients more deeply. Instead of seeing everyone as a tool to lift her up, she and, and, and feeling threatened by anyone who doesn't shower her in adoration and compliments, she starts seeing people as real people, not just as tools to be used. And when she discovers her core values about really genuinely serving, she shifts her focus in her business onto that, and then genuinely focuses on helping her clients get those results. She remains the face of her business and her brand, but it's more about how she can help you, not about how you can help her. So needless to say, her business grows and thrives. Huge transformation for Andrea. Okay, final one. This one is Haley. So let's take a look at what's going on in Haley's life. Haley is much better than Andrea, um, just as far as like tolerating being around her. <laughs> 
So again, these are real people from my life, so I won't name names, but Haley's great. Um, okay, so Haley's main issue is that she gets overwhelmed and she's not able to grow or scale her business. So she like uh, prioritizes the urgent tasks and over the important tasks. So this is what her life and business looks like when all of her parts are unintegrated. Haley's a therapist. Many of you know I'm in a graduate program getting my degree in counseling, clinical counseling. So this is a therapist friend of mine in the same field. And she started her therapy practice because she really cares about people. She loves serving people, but she feels stuck between rates that feel too high for her industry, for her clients. She doesn't want to price people out and feel stuck between that and feeling like she doesn't make enough money at her current business size. So she wants to scale her business, but is so caught up in these urgent tasks, putting out fires and the tight budget constraints that she has that she feels like she's always playing catch up and never getting ahead into working towards this expanded version of her business. She's starting to get burnout. She feels underpaid, which is leading her to start to resent her business for not giving her the time or the financial freedom that she wanted when she started it. That was the whole point of starting it and she's not getting either. She also feels this kind of heartache, like she's failing all of the people on her wait list. She is at max capacity in her business. She's got people on her wait list and she knows that they're coming to her for support and care. And she just can't give it to them right now because she's burning from both ends and she's maxed out. Her calendar's booked. So her heart breaks for the clients who are waiting in pain but she doesn't know how to work harder without completely collapsing. And every time she has an idea to improve her business or scale it and grow it or get ahead, it gets put at the bottom of the list and never happens. So she feels like she's working as hard as she can and she still feels like a failure. So what parts are at play here in Haley's life? The adolescent part of Haley feels like it's really important and crucial that she be helpful to people. If she doesn't help them, they will suffer. So she feels overly responsible for caretaking others. The um, hypo, I mean, I'm sorry, the like psychobabble term for this is um, overperforming, right? Like take, feeling responsible for other people's performing and taking care of others. So that was the role she played in her childhood. Her parents elevated her to the caretaker role at home, but then the exiled part of her feels shame. Like this part of her that's in the shadow feels a lot of shame for even wanting more from her business, more time, more freedom, more money. She feels wrong for wanting those things. After all, isn't she supposed to be in this career as a therapist to help others? So, she feels this exiled part and then the firefighter part of her feels like she has to make up for these selfish feelings by working extra hard to the point of burnout and like she has to pay her due in order to feel worthy of making measly money so lots going on a lot of conflicting feelings with the different parts of her so what does each one need Okay, let's take a look. Her true desires and her feelings of responsibility are in direct conflict. Her true desires of wanting time, financial, like freedom, having a thriving business and helping people 
is in direct conflict with her feelings of being over responsible for others. And this conflict, this like opposing forces happening within her is holding her back from moving towards what she really wants to create. Her child and particularly her adolescent self need to feel like they can just be kids and have an appropriate level of responsibility for their respective ages. Now, this might be a good opportunity to have a conversation with these parts of herself, the younger parts. So she can write a letter to them. She can do it in meditation. She can do it in the two chairs exercise, which is kind of a classic gestalt therapy technique with a counselor. Whatever form it comes in, she can have a conversation with her inner child and her adolescent self, letting them know, hey, you're off the hook for any adult responsibilities. Sorry you had to take that on as a child when you had limited skills and it, you know, you didn't get the childhood that you deserved, but you can just enjoy being a kid, being a teen. You can focus on your own interests without having to care for others. And the adult Haley part of her will be the one who takes on those responsibilities of being the adult. She is, you know, knows when it's her responsibility to serve others and when it's her responsibility to set boundaries and care for herself. So now that the younger selves have permission to just be kids, not have to over worry for others, over function, over perform, then the exiled self doesn't have to carry so much shame for wanting some self care and to only worry about herself. The exiled part now has permission. It's okay to want self care. It's okay to want you know, a, a thriving business. It's okay to want time off. It's okay to want to relax and to have make a lot of money while you're doing it. So when the exiled self feels relaxed, they don't have as much shame, then the firefighter self doesn't have to be in urgent mode all the time, working Haley to the bone. They say you can relax and, you know, you don't have to avoid the shame so much. So you don't have to be in like urgency mode. Haley is allowed to take breaks, to be compensated for her gifts, her divine gifts that she shares with her clients, to be fully present for those that she does have capacity to serve and doesn't need to take on anything more. So what it looks like when Haley's operating her business from this place of integration is that she has so much more balance in her business and her life. She has a realistic task list. She sets up resources for people on her wait list that they can utilize until she has room for them on her calendar. So she's serving that group of people. She's not worried about neglecting them. She doesn't work late or into the evening anymore. She has more time to be present with her family after hours. She sets goals that both honor herself and moves her business in the future direction. So she hires some support staff. She's on a budget to take off, you know, those smaller tasks. And she can focus on the more important but non-urgent goals. She doesn't just have to spend her entire day, week putting out fires. And then that sets her up for huge success, growing in a steady and healthy way, scaling her business at an appropriate rate where she still gets to take care of herself. 
And then by doing so, by having these healthy boundaries, by being filled up, feeling not burnout, but renewed and refreshed, she's able to both be present with her current clients, going deeper and creating more healing and transformation than she was able to provide before when she was burned out. And she can scale with new team members who can help her business reach more and more people with more meaningful support. So totally different business model when she is resourced, all the different parts of her have their needs met and then they're not running the show in panic mode. So lots of different um, examples. Now, again, these are real life examples from people I know, they're friends, colleagues, a client of mine, a coach of mine. And one of them honestly is based off myself. So <laughs> I'll let you guess which one is me, um, but names have been changed. So nobody's nobody's being disclosed. So while these are some of the common themes that do come up for spiritual women business owners that I see a lot, you're going to have your own set of parts that operate in your life, right? This is not the catch-all, end-all, be-all. These are just four specific examples, but they are common themes that I do see. So if you identified with the struggles of any of these women, any of these four like vignettes, snapshots, know that you're not alone maybe go back and listen again and if there's one in particular that you're like oh my gosh that's so me that's exactly how i feel and on the other side of it is exactly how i want to feel go back and listen to that example again and you know follow the steps for integrating those specific parts that are in conflict within you if none of these examples resonated with you totally this is still a worthwhile exercise to dig into the areas that are challenging for you those points of conflict in your life patterns that keep playing out that aren't serving you and really investigating anything that is holding you back from achieving your goals from running your business in the way you want or creating that life that you really genuinely desire it's worth it to look in and ask yourself okay what age is online with this behavior like who is operating right now when i see this behavior how old is this part within me what needs are they trying to meet through this behavior through this reaction what or this like feeling of anxiety or panic or desperation like whatever it is that you're investigating try to identify the age and what needs they're trying to meet then also ask what voices and beliefs are playing on repeat in my mind. Ask yourself, where did I learn these beliefs? What are my real beliefs about this subject, right? Like try and figure out whose voice is that that's saying that. And is what they're saying genuinely in alignment with how I wanna live my life? You get to choose to change it. And then finally ask what protective role is online right now? Is it the exiled part, which holds the shame or the fear? Is it the manager who's trying to prevent pain? Or is it the firefighter who's trying to extinguish pain, get rid of the pain? What are they protecting against? What's the threat? And how can I be present with it? How can I sit with my shame or my fear and nurture that part of me, welcome and embrace the exiled version of me so the manager and the firefighter don't have to work so hard? How can I be present with it and do that deep healing work? So when you're able to see what dynamics are at play behind the scenes, 
you have the ability to do that healing work by meeting the needs of your younger self, adopting new and more aligned beliefs, or stop playing out the roles that are trying to protect you from harm. You have more choice in your life and you can step into a more insightful, more self-aware, more informed leadership style in your business. That's gonna allow you to serve your clients without all these like behind the scenes agenda at play. And then you can be more present with their actual needs. It's gonna allow you to serve them deeper than ever before. So this is the type of work that I do with my clients. I help them unpack the different aspects of themselves, clean everything up that's at work within them, get aligned with their vision for their life, right? Go through everything and just figure out what's going on, clean everything up, and then shift into a new aligned direction. So if you want to sign up for a complimentary breakthrough session, you can do so. These are free 30-minute sessions where I take you through a process that helps you understand what you really want, look at what's been holding you back, and make a plan for moving forward in the direction to your next level, breakthrough to the next level. That's why I call them breakthrough sessions. So to sign up for these, you can visit my website, sarahbird.com, Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H, and then bird with a Y, B-Y-R-D, sarahbird.com slash breakthrough dash session. And you also can listen to the outro of this episode that's coming up right now to learn about my signature program. So thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our special Halloween episode all about the shadow. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode for the training and insight that you need to create the business and life that you want. As always, I'd love your feedback. I love to hear from you. So please find me on all the socials at Sarah Bird Coaching or leave a comment over at the blog at sarahbirdcoaching.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-B-Y-R-D coaching.com. What breakthroughs, insights, and ahas did you have from this episode? And what action are you ready to take now? And if you're ready to build and scale your soul-centered business to the next level so that you can finally reach six figures without leaving spirituality at the door, join us in the Abundant Soul Aligned Business Program. This 12-week women's business building program teaches you the systems and strategies of building a business from the ground up and we go deep into the inner work of stepping into leadership in your business and life. If you're ready for the clarity, confidence, and cash flow to go from start to success, you can learn more and enroll at sarahbirdcoaching.com slash ASA-biz. That's sarahbirdcoaching.com slash ASA-biz. Sending you so much love and we will see you next show.